This is Frog Talk, episode four. Welcome. This is Frog, also known as the Frog Soul. I go by Chris as well. With me, I have my both my co-hosts. First off, it's uh, Richie, also known as Lionhearted. It's me. I'm back. I'm here. <laughs> and uh, Seth, also known as Sparked here. Hey, what's up? How you both doing? Not bad. Okay, okay. Feeling that uh, lost hour. That That's lost why I'm hour. Tired. Yeah, I forgot about that. Lost oh yeah, hour. the the clocks. I don't even think about <laughs> it, <laughs> guys. You guys, it's it's like nine thirty to you guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like whoops, <laughs> whoops. I slept in today, so I didn't really notice it. Much, Must but... be nice. But... <laughs> And your week's been going okay? That week was kind of boring. Yeah. Weekend was good, though. We survived so far. <laughs> oh, the, the corona? Yeah, we're still alive. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say is, this, is this the new corona cast? <laughs> we're gonna... <laughs> Can we just have like corona news all, all the whole hour? It's not really much. It's just cover your mouth and wash your hands. You can yeah, turn into that one episode of Twilight Zone where this guy builds a, a bunker in the bottom of his house that everyone else wants to get in because they didn't prepare and about did, killed him. So if you guys want to come over so I cannot let you in, go ahead. <laughs> Seth, have you been playing anything good? Uh, I've been playing mostly mobile games, but I'm still playing uh, Final Fantasy VIII, going full force into that. But that's been the main console game that I've been playing lately um, and been enjoying uh, that. And I got uh, Mega Man Zero ZX uh, Legacy Collection. So I've been kind of messing with that whenever I get the chance. So those have been the two main games I've been playing lately. What about you, Richie? Uh, the only new thing I've really played recently is I started playing Hunt the Showdown with some friends and just really diving into the punishing nature of that game. But actually, of all the Battle Royale-esque adjacent kind of games, it's probably my favorite right now because uh, it's not forgiving, but it can be if you're intelligent. It like rewards intelligence more than any other game I've ever played. Hmm. I guess mostly in the sense that like you can choose to extract from the map and leave before actually. So like <clears throat> your goal is to hunt a big monster, but if you don't think you can do it because you think the other teams got there before you and you think that if you go there, you're going to die, you could just be like, you know what? 
killed a couple of things. I've gotten some experience. I'm just going to go extract now and keep my character alive. Because I guess the, un- the other thing I didn't really mention is that uh, it's permadeath for your characters. So, you know, Boy, so, you so can- once you extract, then, then you can just start a new round. Yep. Yeah. So you could just oh. extract and then you could just, yeah, start a new round and then try it again. It's different. So, yeah, we played like 10 rounds yesterday and maybe the first three we were we just kept getting to places where we weren't sure that we were going to be able to do it. So we were just like, you know, what? let's just be smart about this and just leave. And then, but like with each of those rounds, we were still able to kind of get those characters to level up, which was nice. Um, and then once they were leveled up a bit and they had a little bit more uh, upgrades applied to them, we felt a little bit more confident on the one match and we were able to like get in there and actually kill the monster and kill some of the teams and extract with like a much bigger payout, which was really sick. Nice. So yeah, I I enjoy that. It's not, you know, whereas like apex, like you have no choice, but to just keep going towards the middle till you're dead or until you win. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll have to get into that game. Like I know you were telling me about it. Um, Yeah. How much is it right now? it's not on sale i'll tell you that much but it's not i don't Uh, think it's a full i don't think it's a full price game i'm sure it'll go on sale fairly soon does it feel like a full 60 dollar game as much as apex would if it were but like it's like everything that you could like funny enough it's one of the only games i see where you can earn um whatchamacallit you can earn the the money that you could buy. So what do you call that? Like in like in game currency or not payable mm-hmm. currency or buyable currency or whatever. That buyable currency you could still earn by doing stuff in the game. Like if you uh, get mastery over certain things, or if you like each game, if you kill a certain amount of like uh, real players, it'll give you one or two of those. So like you could slowly earn the kind of currency that'll get you those big legendary things that you could also then pay. If you want to pay $5, you can just get it quicker. But most of the things are in-game currency based. So like you're not, it doesn't feel like you're uh, getting ripped off. Really. It feels like you're grinding through levels and there's some strategy to it too. Like you can level your hunters up to like 50. And then when you level them up to 50, they won't level any higher, but if you choose to retire them, you'll get 5,000 experience towards your overall like skill tree, uh, you know, like skill bar or whatever. They call it your bloodline. Your bloodline can go up to like 90. So, you know, you can, Mm if you're really good and you get these hunters leveled up, you can retire them and then zoom through even faster by doing that essentially. So you get rewarded for being able to like keep your guys alive and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. I would like yeah. to try that with you one night. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to show it to you. I think, I think you'd honestly really enjoy it. Or you could play a game for free and join my guild in knighthood. <laughs> Yes, yes. I did see that. I, did, I meant to. I meant to look into that. Honestly, I just haven't yet because it looked interesting. I think you guys would really like it because once you're in a guild, yeah. you can do uh, guild bosses and earn rewards by fighting. You know, it's like a raid boss, but it's a very different take on it on an RPG. But it's funny because it's uh, 
made by King, who also does Candy Crush. So it's just really weird to see a game like that coming from a, a company that, or a developer that made Candy Crush. Nice. And for myself, this week, um, uh, I streamed the Final Fantasy VII Remake yeah, why didn't I, for... I play that? <laughs> <laughs> I did play it, that this week. It, it was uh, short, but it was good. Like, it, it gave a good well, yeah, it's a know, demo. teaser. Yeah, well, you know, I wasn't sure how much of it they would show, but they, they showed a good amount of it. Like, you got up to the... I mean, I don't know how many people played Final Fantasy VII out there. I'm sure many of you have, but Seth, you did, you hit... did the first Mako Reactor run, and once the first Mako Reactor uh, blew up, the game, the I, demo was over. I didn't get that far, so thanks for spoiling. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you pretty much you, you kill the spider tank, the scorpion tank, and then you escape and blow up the reactor, and then that's it. Yeah, dude. It... So. I was so like I know Chris, you've never played it, so you wouldn't have had this reaction. I played up until like I I clarify that I played up until the the Chocobo farm in the swamp uh, part of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's as far as I got. He got out of Midgar, but that's literally you literally just got out of Midgar because that's the first place you visit after you leave. Like I see Sephiroth killed by snake and everything like that, but that's it. He basically he basically got as far as what the remake is going to allow you to in its first like first game quote unquote or whatever they're calling it. Right. Cuz I think the first the like the remake is only going to go as far as Midgar. I think that's it. Right. Like it's not going to go in the open world. Yeah, 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 except that's why they're expanding so much on it. And that's yeah. one of the things I talk about when I was streaming um I really would like love to buy it but i have some reservations about having to buy each part separately because i want to experience the entire thing and if i have to abruptly end because they're separating it Mm. into three parts it kind of kind of takes away some of the hype going behind like you know it's like you're you're kind of you got the emotion going it's like jumping into a movie halfway through and you're like okay like or you you know it it doesn't have the same feeling <laughs> you could get it. You, <laughs> you could just play the original for like seven dollars now. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do that. Like, I'll, I'll beat the. But I will, I will, and I'll go I, play the, the full thing after. I will say playing it. Like again, I played the original when I was like eleven years old, and so there's just that nostalgia element to like the way they recreated everything, but then also as like a 34 year old dude to like see it done with like very careful precision and like the artistry of how they were able to pull it off and the graphics that they have now to see that mixed together, to have the nostalgia mixed with the impressive nature of it now. And they just, they did a solid job. Like that demo really, really sold me on, on the remake as a whole. I really, 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 really enjoyed it. I want to play it too. You know, like I said, it's just, you know, that's the one thing I don't like they, that they don't just have a full game. Like, I know the original had yeah. two separate discs and all that stuff, but I don't, you know, wasn't Final Fantasy again, 11 kind of like three parts it. or something? 11. Which one was well, it? They, where... they might have released expansions. Yeah. That, but... but you can also look at it as like, because that's where we are now. Like, think about it. Like, you can go watch a movie, but you can also watch The Mandalorian and like you, you get, you don't get 
nearly as much as an as a season of TV used to give you back in the day. It's almost like a glorified movie now when you have like Netflix and Disney Plus shows. And so we were getting those in little chunks because they want to go deeper than a movie will go, but they don't necessarily want to go as far as old TV shows used to go because you'd have to sink so much more money into it then. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I've uh, maybe since a couple of months ago, I've been trying to avoid everything Final Fantasy seven um, <laughs> just because not, not because I don't know what's coming. I think I just wanted to experience something like I want to have the experience of seeing things Virginized. Because, because I, like, yeah, after, uh, you know, when I was in my teens, and early 20s, whenever a new game was coming, especially Dead Space, I would eat up anything I could get my hands on through magazines or just uh, like videos. And I feel like then when playing it, it just I was like, well, I've seen this. I kind of knew this was coming compared to yeah. I can't think off the top of my head, but some games that I didn't look anything up and then when i experienced it, i was like whoa this is really neat didn't know this was coming where lo and behold that was something that was showing off and um i i i you know i made the mistake of doing that with kingdom hearts 3 in certain parts and and now i'm just kind of that was my lesson and not that it really spoiled too many things but it's surprising how much they show these days i don't know if they think they can't get enough people to buy the game that they need to show off all this stuff. I feel like that's what they're sort of doing with Final Fantasy. But um, to answer that question a little bit, Chris, I think that they're doing it in parts just because, not just because of the graphics and and, and developing uh, or, or, you know, remaking everything that the game was in itself, but I think they're adding a lot of more things that the original... Um, I think it's Tetsuya Nomura. It's the same guy who's been doing uh, the earlier Final Fantasies and Eight and Kingdom Hearts. Apparently, there was a lot more that they wanted to add to the original. They just didn't have the space or maybe the time. So um, I think they're just expanding on that, and that's why it's coming out. And sort of just like the original, it came out four or it was four discs. So maybe, yeah. maybe it's sort of the same idea there. I don't know. I, I get that. I kind of wonder. I understand that. It's just, it's still, it's I'm, still there, you know? I'm assuming they're going to break it up into parts that really make sense so that when you finish this first game, it'll feel like you played through a full, like kind of a full story, quote unquote, where like by the end of it, you'll be like, all right, man, that was definitely worth it. And I'm glad I played through that. And now I'm like, you know sure. like when you start the next one it won't be like i forgot what happened in the last one because there's been so many months between it's like no i think it'll end at a place where it's just like okay yeah we know what the stakes are of the second one and when it comes out we'll be able to jump right into it man but to wait for all the it's, parts it's to come suck. out and, and but i mean you know they're gonna release something crazy like a full package deal um but i definitely could see that chris where you're coming from it's like if right. you just had them all at once and then just go one after the other, you would have... I don't know how many parts they said there were, or episodes they were going to make it into, but I'm, I, you know, I'll just say maybe they'll just do four, like four discs. Um, that would be quite the experience. Cause that, I, mean, we're ta- I, I don't know how many hours they, they want the first game to be, but um, combine all those together. I mean, that, that's massive because I remember on average, I mean, at probably at the least putting about almost 80 hours into the game itself. That was just with grinding or without grinding. 
Uh, with grinding, because I used I used a guide the last time I played it to get 100%. And, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I honestly don't remember, because there was a lot of times I left it idle and just left the timer, so it's probably inter- <laughs> inaccurate. But I'd say maybe the last um, like non-100% run I went through, I probably put 80 hours in and didn't grind mm-hmm. too much. But the game is pretty long, yeah. especially with all the side quests you can do. But I, I know... Like- well, not to cut you off, but like I feel like there could be a whole discussion about how these days, like you, you got like some media that will release everything at once, like on Netflix with the Mandal or Disney Plus with the Mandalorian, where you could just binge the entire thing right away, or you got like Game of Thrones where they released an episode every week and you couldn't watch the new episode until Sunday that night, you know, to like kind of like stretch it out mm-hmm. a bit. There, there, I think there could be a whole conversation about is that good or bad and it you know it's going to be subjective because some people just want to experience it right away but other people might want to you know span it out to kind of get the full experience and have that anticipation coming into the the final episodes or whatever yeah but yeah i'm just saying for me like i, I know there's people who are going to be out there who are going to wait for the full thing to come out and just get it all at once and that might be good because they can also just buy the like the first or second part, like hopefully cheaper, and then they can save some money that way instead of buying like the full package for however much it would cost. I but, wonder um, what that'll mean for like the pre- the pre-orders uh, bonuses because if you didn't, I mean, sure you could just buy it and let it sit there, and then because like I said, right. they'll probably come out with a massive package deal at the, uh, with however many but i mean these days pre-order bonuses don't mean much because later on in the full you know deluxe version or or whatever version game of the year edition they'll have in everything that you missed in the pre from the pre-order bonuses so kind of pre-order bonuses only give you like maybe digital timed... maybe digital but anything physical no it, yeah like, well how many things are being sold completely physical now uh well i mean at least with this one i think you get like an art book a steel case maybe if uh maybe a few other things but oh, of course if you got the first edition or first uh first class or soldier i can't remember now um you got that uh figure of cloud on on his motorcycle but um yeah, I mean, of course, everything would be wor- included in the very end. Yeah. But, you know, so. Well, anyway, so I did that this week. <laughs> I did that this week. It was fun. Um, I, I liked it. I recommend it. Just, you know, I have my reservations. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Also, I'm, I'm really excited for um, playing doom eternal and animal crossing new horizons those two are on the exact same day this month and it's gonna you know punch a hole in my wallet but i know like i'm gonna be playing those two games for a few months and i don't really see any others besides resident evil and final fantasy 7 to take my money away so that's good it's like get get all my titles that i want out of the way right now until like october when all those fall releases come out so not really i'm not playing them yet but i'm definitely looking forward to them yeah 
But anyway, so that's what we've been playing this week. Um, for our main podcast topic this episode, um, I thought to discuss um, how uh, video game characters um, impact gamers and how they impact the way they buy games in terms of like what games they choose or which games they get into. Um, uh, now, when, when I think about video game characters that impact gamers, um, a lot of the times it's not just like protagonists. It's a lot of the times antagonists or, or side characters that people really latch onto and love and they want to see more of. Um, I've, I've always thought that would be interesting to talk about because there's a huge nerd culture out there. And whenever you go to like a gaming convention or something, there's always booths set up with merchandise for specific characters. And it makes me wonder like why those certain characters are become so loved the way that they do. If even if they don't really have a major like story reason, but people just love them for whatever reason, then they want to have merchandise from them. Like, yeah, yeah. Like we were, Seth and I, we were at a, a, a convention back in September and I saw a lot of uh, different merchandise for things and, and people just would, would buy them like crazy. Like specifically, I think big ones are like Metro characters. I know a lot of people are into Ridley for Metroid. And they have much of a backstory, right? Yeah, I, I, uh, well, yeah. If you read the the manga, he does. Um, but you know, I don't. With you can't Tetra take the manga for canon, though, right? He, if they intended it for that to be, yeah, I think, I think, I, yeah, it is. Because I, I read most of it. I, I, I have it, you know, you can go on the website and look it up for free. I, I read through most of it. Um, but I, Metroid is, why well, didn't, if you, maybe you had more to say. I didn't want to go off on something no, go before ahead. you go ahead. finished. Because, um, well, to sort of answer your question in a way, I think a lot of people like Ridley for a lot of the other reasons why people like villains. Um, it's maybe not so much for their backstory, but just the pure fact of uh, uh, of their sort of evilness in, in what they do. People cling on to that. I personally don't. I've always been someone who, as cliche as it sounds, just likes, likes the hero because I think most people in general can find things relatable within a hero but um <clears throat> on the flip side of that i think people uh, will find uh being being able to relate with villains and what they do too because if we look on our side and the things that we do that aren't good in a lot of ways i think we can relate to them but with ridley and how obscure metroid is Trust me, I know because anywhere you go, you, you see Mario and Legend of Zelda, but barely any Metroid. Right. Um, Ridley does actually have uh, a lot about him that uh, I don't think most people realize, especially if you just pick up Smash. And since that's the best way to play him, really the only way to play him, 
in any game um, <clears throat> is that he does have a backstory that's oh it's weird because when I first discovered it I would have never thought that he does talk but when you see him at Smash he, he just grunts and makes all these noise but he's actually he's a space pirate he's a leader of the space pirates but he's really intelligent and uh, spoiler alert since you learn it almost right away he <laughs> kills uh, Samus's parents and that's pretty much the reason why she I don't think it's the only reason because I'm not going to say everything I say right now is gospel because I'm just it's been a while since I read it but um, it's one of the reasons I think she more so became a bounty hunter not the only reason there's a lot more into it but um, huh. but I, I think with, without a lot of people knowing that about him people want to cling on to villains just because they want to tap into sort of their bad side, their dark side in in that, in that sense, at least. Villains also, um, I think maybe even present a challenge in a way. I, uh, so I'm specifically thinking of when Far Cry 3 came out and they, advertise that game heavily based on the antagonist even though yeah i'm not gonna really get into it but like his level of chaos i think just like or like even handsome jack like those were two kinds of villains that they kind of played on what made those bad guys interesting which was like kind of their intelligence and elements of how sociopathic or psychopathic they were and I think that just was a, f- I don't know. I, and I think you're right. It might just be like people find a little bit of fun in playing with the darker parts of their mind right. and like seeing, seeing that represented in this character. And, you know, like when handsome Jack would say messed up stuff in borderlands too, like you're sitting there laughing at it. You're not like, Oh, that dastardly villain. I hate him. <laughs> you're like, you're like sitting there, like <laughs> you're sitting there like, Hey, yeah call him a butt stallion <laughs> like you're just like you know like you kind of relate that, to him. that little wicked like you're like you kind of you kind of agree with him in some points like yeah like the character like he'll he, say something like i don't really agree, care about but... this character kill him or something or you know like you yeah. can you can be like yeah. it's like him speaking through like you're speaking through him indirectly like he's saying what you basically are thinking and that's why you might gravitate towards him because like villains will just pretty much do whatever they want because they don't care and then, like, some people, you know, it's kind of sad to say that, like, some people probably are like that, you know? Yeah, that's true. And and it all depends on who's writing the story or how, how they want to portray it. Because there's, there's, even in movies, there's there's very obvious and, and clear reasons or, or uh, indications that uh, the the writer wants you to hate this villain. They give you reasons to hate them. They do things that are just terrible. Um, and then there's other ones that, yeah, like, I mean, I haven't, I know who Handsome Jack is, but I haven't played Borderlands 3, or I think he's in 2. I don't think he's in 1, right? 2. He's in He's in 2. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, but um, I know the general gist, you know, they make a, a villain that you kind of love. You learn to love, and um, there's plenty of other games that are like that, but uh, and it's funny because 
whether they're a villain that you learn to love or learn to hate, uh, sometimes there's villains where if you really think about it, especially when you're younger, I think you're always going to look at a villain like, oh, he's the bad guy. You know, the good guys always win and this and that. And then there's when you grow up, I think you really think about what they're trying to do. And in some cases, the villain has it right. But they're, the way they're trying to go about it is wrong. And that's why the hero rises up to defeat them. But when you think about it, sometimes the villain is right in some senses. And it really makes you question your morality in those situations when that's presented to you. Yeah, the most interesting villains, I think, are the ones that can be relatable like a lot of times like i remember watching a list where it was like top 10 villains in cinema and like the like the 10 spot like the lowest spot on the list was like dastardly evil wicked emperor characters it's just like you know that like we all know what they are they're boring like we all know they're just evil for the sake of being evil and they're gonna twirl their mustache and Mm -hmm. torture them (laughs) torture your girlfriend or whatever and it was more like when you got into like the the top three it was these characters that were like i can understand why this guy's doing what he's doing but he hasn't for some reason he's wrong and we know he's wrong and the hero knows he's wrong but like we also we can't fault him for feeling what he's feeling the way he's being. And sometimes those characters when really well written will kind of like hold our attention almost more than the, you know, than the hero does. Yeah. I think kind of like, kind of like Loki, like Loki was that kind of character in a way in Marvel. um, You know, Joker is another one Mm -hmm. that like no one wants Joker to die because he's, fun and he's interesting and you're just like he could do all these crazy things and if you kill him like you're not gonna have anything that tops this and so you're you know some people actually buy into a game or a movie because they want to see what this villain's gonna be able to do mm-hmm. i i kind of yeah, feel like i don't want to cut you off seth but um mm-hmm. uh, well like when i think about a lot of media like they have the the silent hero that's that people seem to latch on to for whatever and i understand why like if, if you're playing as link or like in pokemon you're playing as as red the, the pokemon trainer they, they're they're deliberately silent because they want the the person playing them to basically make that make them their avatar and it's basically like i'm inside this game it's me therefore i like this character a lot because it's me but then I, I know exactly what you're saying. I've never felt that way about silent protagonists. I, I, I get I get especially Link. I, I never sit there and think, well, this is me. This is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've just I've just never well, understood that in a sense. Link isn't a true silent protagonist in that <laughs> sense. Link is a character. He has a name. Right. He isn't you. Like Skyrim is a game where you could make you yeah. and then you could you can walk into that silent protagonist element, right. you know. I think it helps with that. I'm not saying Link is that in all senses, but he's kind um, of a mixture. Like you got like the, the the RPG standard hero that will be like, you know, he, he won't be a specific character per se, but you can name him, and you know, you have a backstory. They they kind of give him like a pseudo name, in the, you know, like in official manuals or whatever. But it's mainly just you. Whereas like Link is, yeah, like you said, Link is Link. And he's not like truly you, but he's kind of like halfway there. Right. 
Right, right, right. But yeah, you, you know, it play uh playing through uh most recently Final Fantasy VIII, since I played that game, uh, I think it, it, don't quote me on this. I think it came out in 1998, maybe a year after 7. I could be wrong, maybe 1999. Uh, it was 1999, I believe. Okay. So, you know, I would have been around 9, 10, somewhere around there and it's just so interesting. Now, the last time I played it, it was fully. I was probably 19 and 30 now. So it's been a while. I, I do remember it all, but I used to play it like crazy when I was younger. Never. And I kind of just blew through everything. I didn't really pay attention to what anyone was saying. And it's no wonder I struggled so hard at certain bosses and now when i get them i'm literally killing them in three turns and i'm like i spent so long on this when i was younger just because i didn't understand the mechanics but anyways just playing through it recently it's amazing how much i'm picking up on certain dialogue but it's really interesting i'm not going to go into it because you you could spend so much time on this but uh for instance uh speaking about relatable characters uh, squall the game it does a beautiful job at telling his side of the story by not only what he says, but what he thinks. Uh, and you don't, it's any other Final Fantasy, I haven't seen them do this, but a lot of the dialogue you'll see normal dialogue boxes when someone's talking are just gray, um, you know, white text on, um, on a uh, gray box. But when Squall's thinking in his head, it uh, comes up as almost a, like a transparent box and sort of just, you know, goes along with the story of what he's thinking in his head. And to me, I really like that because it's like, you can see what he's actually thinking and then what he actually says. So you're going through this man's head and what he's doing, um, like what he's thinking and what he's doing. And to me personally, I really like that because I feel like I question a lot of things and, and almost hear myself think like that. Um, so that's a different storytelling that I haven't seen in a lot of other games that I played that I can relate to just because it's so different. You don't really get, you see what people do, but you don't see what people think all the time, which I think is really uh, unique. Would you say he's one of your favorite characters? Uh, surprisingly enough, he's not on the list that I have, but he most definitely could be. I think it's because I, I'm playing it more recently that it's fresh in my head. Uh-huh. But <clears throat> he he definitely could be. I would not include him now that I've been playing a little bit more. Well, when you guys have like a favorite character, do you tend to want to play more of their games, or are you like, oh, that was a fun experience? I really like this character in this singular story. I'm good. I'm going to move on. Or like, well, what do you think about that? Well, I'll let you go, Richie. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess it depends on, I don't, I'm trying to think if I've really ever been hooked to a character as much as I've just been into franchises. I don't, I really don't think I've been ever hooked into a character or a franchise because of the character. I think I just respected the franchise for what it was. Okay. Cause even just like as a kid, you know, like I liked, 
you know, like we're talking back when I was like a kid. Yeah, like I was a little <laughs> spaz, so I was like, "It's blue and it's fast, Sonic!" Yay! <laughs> like, I, like, definitely, you know, way more into it on that. But like as I got older, you know, it was just more of what does the gameplay and the story represent to me? How does it like make me feel? How does it entertain me? And so I don't think any characters have specifically made me go like, well, I have to play this because it's this character. But I definitely um, enjoy games with really good characters. I think really good characters will help the enjoyment of it. But that's also done in the characterization. So, like, one of my favorite games, the story-wise, is, like, uh, is uh, The Last of Us. But if they were, like, you know, when the second one comes out, if they're like, oh, well, The Last of Us is a whole new game with a whole new set of characters, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm not playing this now. Like, no, I would just be like, all right, well, let's see where they take their brand of storytelling with this new series of characters, you know? So I can't really say that that's ever been the case for me. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's all I can really say with that. I, I can definitely agree with that. I, I know what you mean. Like it's maybe not entirely on the character, but more on what the game has to offer. But I can say that, when I get into uh, a sort of mood to play a specific type of game, I guess, like for instance, it maybe this will make a little bit more sense as far as uh, maybe a character goes, but I really enjoy point and click games. There's a lot of them um, that would, uh, that came out on PC years ago and maybe even on console that you can that I have on my phone, you can download on your phone. They just ported them to uh, mobile devices. And I really like those because in a lot of them, you're not, you don't see your, some of them you do, but a lot of them, when you're playing point and click, you don't actually see who you are. And maybe this actually kind of goes along with this somewhat silent protagonist. Maybe not that they're silent because they do talk when you click on things or, look at different stuff but the fact that you don't see your character i think means more to me because you have to it has more to do with using your imagination on what they might look like or what they might do uh but i really like the interaction of in games where you click on something and then they give you their thoughts about it or this or that and kind of half and half they tell you what it is but you can also use your imagination on what else it might do that in in that sort of sense when i play games like that i once i finish them i tend to want to play more games like that to have, to have that same sort of experience uh but not in all cases sometimes when i play, finish a game okay i'm ready to move on to something new or different but i think i think i tend to stick with the games that I really like more based on what, what they have to offer than maybe the, the main character, to be honest. I can say like, there's a bit of character recognition definitely will bring some joy. Um, so I, I can't say as far as 
my my desire for purchasing a game that the character fit. But like when I played the Final Fantasy VII remake, and I was able to see the characters in in the crisp, you know, 4K or whatever. And just like see the loving design put into making them look the way that they looked and mixing all that. Like those characters definitely brought a certain kind of joy to the experience of playing. Mm -hmm, So I definitely, I feel like characters make games relatable, especially, especially when you like go back and you play games that you love for whatever like i think they're part of what causes you to love the game yeah because if you i think if you when you play a game and you really love a character if you're trying to find another game or it might you might not be so interested in finding a game similar to that character just because you want something new because all you're going to think of oh it's just like this character it might feel like a ripoff or it would have to be different, maybe not even in a sense of personality, but sort of their actions. Right. But what about you, Chris? Well, like one example I think of is um, Pokemon Silver and Gold. The um, like everyone who grew up with Pokemon Red, Yellow, Blue, you know, they have an attachment to those games and, and, and growing up with them. But then when you get to Gold and Silver, the character is more or less the same like trainer as in the first one, um, but a whole new story. And like, well, I kind of agree with Richie where it's like, you don't, you don't play the franchise specifically for the main character or for a specific character in a way you, you kind of playing for the experience that you had when you played it. Um, but I also really appreciate like in that game, at the very end of the game, spoiler alert for like a 20 year old game, whatever. But at the end of, Pokemon Gold and Silver, you get to go back to the original game and the final boss of that of the of the previous regions, you know, like the, the final boss of that region is your main character games. So it's like your current character in Gold and Silver gets to, to play the final boss, read the Pokemon trainer from the first generation. And it's it's so cool just to like see that character like that you used to play as fight against you at the same time you're like holy crap that was me like what's he gonna do to me now that i'm playing this character i i kind of like those kinds of things and i i would say it's a draw to draw people in like i think people really gravitate towards the like their favorite games and then it, they'll, they'll find like like references or stuff to those other games in other games and they'll want to pick them up like I, for example um uh, what's the a link between worlds um legend of Zelda link between worlds they referenced it, it's kind of like a like almost like a parallel to link to the past almost uh, pretty much almost exactly like the story is a little bit different but but they do have like character references within the game that link it to other games like they'll have like uh majora's mask within that game it, not necessarily the skull kid but the majora's mask so that to me, that's a draw because I love uh, Majora's Mask so much. So I would buy that game because I would love to see that or play that game because of all the references. So just something I thought about mm-hmm. when uh, 
when I kind of came up with this. Like, what, what, like, why would people like buy this game uh, if they didn't either know the game per se, or if if maybe the the game has a character they really really love? They're like, oh, I want to see what's going on with this character. I love this character in this previous game. I want to see what they're doing now in this game. So I'm going to pick up that game and play it and find out. I I think the one series that. Uh, that has the biggest pull for that reason is would probably be Legend of Zelda. It's like it's Link, you know, descendant somewhere. What's going on in this one? Well, what's the hero doing in this game now? Right. But uh, I can definitely understand. I think, which is which is really weird to me because there's no character development. He's just kind of always yeah. the same guy, isn't he? <laughs> like it's just like well, he's not even in the same. He's the same like mantle but not the same physical yeah it's not always the exact same length but it's always like a descendant or a you know of the same length which is weird because i think like you get to watch him grow from game to game whereas like i remember when we played gears of war and you watch like you play through gears of war one by the time you get to gears of war three like those characters have been through some stuff and you could see like changes and i think that is usually what makes characters interesting is to see characters change. I guess it just depends on why you're playing the game, I though. Think with uh, Legend of Zelda, it's not so much about Link developing because you, yeah, you know him. He's the typical hero. He, he, you know, fights for to save the world. It's more so the game that changes uh, with you, and the, you know, not the character, especially the way people word Breath of the Wild. They say. Uh, Breath of the Wild, or the sorry, the open world, like the Hyrule, is the character, and that's what actually changes. So it's more about like and familiar faces already... exploring a different kind of space rather than like yeah. experiencing a whole new game, but with a familiar, or you know what I mean, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right, like it's right, it's right. good to have the familiarity of the character, and if the yeah, character it's... grows because of that new world they're in or that new situation, that's great. But like, if the character doesn't isn't there, or, it's a it's a totally like it's the same kind of universe. But the character isn't there. Like, you could still enjoy that world that that character kind of that you that you latched onto. You know, like, you know, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 why does any uh, you know intellectual property TV movie comic book whatever exists the way it does and it has to do with people do are you know are drawn to certain characters and the question then is why are they drawn to that character like people are fans of doctor right. who like but it's you know that so like for some reason they're a fan of that character maybe it's just that they like the character in general like mario is a character that never goes through any sort of character growth but i think some people are just like but i've liked mario since i was a kid and like his games are fun and so i'm just drawn to the next thing because it's a mario game like but i you know like so i don't think sometimes i think there's no reason for it i think some people just like what they like they don't really have to have a reason they're just like i i like mario i've always have or whatever or and then some people, it's more motivated by like, you know, I like watching characters go through stories and seeing characters change. And so, you know, that's why you might play like, you know, you might go to 
uh, the last of us two when it comes out, because you're like, okay, I want to see what's happened to these characters since, cause that game story did a number on them. So by all means, I'd love to see what is going to, you know, continue with them in two. Right on. Yeah. I, I think, uh, the, uh, couple games uh think as far as that is wanting to know what's going on with the characters especially uh one is i'm not going to go into it because this is wasn't what i wanted to bring up first place but i just thought about it is kratos is each game you see all the madness and and sort of how you know he he just sort of just went uh all the things that he's done i'm you know without going into it too much just everything that he's been through and sort of leading up to the, to the climax of the story. Uh, and, but one other uh, thinking about, we were talking about silent protagonists, one that I really liked, maybe it's just because of my sadistic nature, just seeing how far you can push some of sanity is um, Isaac from dead space. Like yeah. He's silent in the first one. So it was really, I mean, the first one will always be my favorite because you're, you always have, I forget the two characters talking to you. And I was always thinking, what is Isaac thinking? <laughs> what, all this is going on and people are saying, but what I is totally he I totally forgot he didn't that, talk in the I first one. Really. And it, and made, it does make it, it, it very eerie. You think what he thinks. I think that's was the beauty of the game because it's because you experiencing talk, the horror. It made you it made you whatever you thought is sort of what he thought. It it, it gave you the opportunity to uh, be his mind. And, and it's like a weird thing that you, you wouldn't really think about when playing. But and then of course they gave him a voice in the other ones, but uh, I, I guess maybe they would have been hard to not do that. But seeing his story and his descent into madness was really interesting. Maybe because we like somewhere inside of us, we like to see how far we can push someone's sanity. Well, and you want to see character struggle. It's the whole point of like, you wouldn't read a book about a guy who had a great day. <laughs> like it's like he woke up and by the end of the day, nothing bad happened. And he was, went to bed with a smile and you're like, okay, that book was really boring. Like, we have an inner draw to conflict, which is why every book, movie, TV show, game has mm-hmm. conflict. Yeah, but I, I can definitely say that that's one silent protagonist in the first game that uh, I could definitely put myself there. That's me, you know, aside from just his character. Oh, because that game is lonely too. Like, you are the only one walking you know you're oh. just like stuck in this thing and you Love feel it. it especially playing in the dark with like surround sound on or headphones if like, i can erase my memory and play one game it would probably be that one <laughs> heck well, yeah going into that like just branching off but i thought it'd be fun just to talk about some of our favorite characters and and what why we love them so much and and why they they're probably in some of our favorite game franchises um, our personal favorite game franchises. Um, Seth, why don't you start off and kind of discuss? Um, we we did about four characters that we're going to kind of talk about each, um, just like why we are drawn to the, these characters and why we think they're one great characters and and two like why they they impact us so much. Okay. Um... Instead of going through each one and explaining, so I'll I'll, I'll uh, 
go read them all off and just do a very simple explanation. And if we want to delve into any of them, I guess just ask any questions or however we're going to do this because I, I could go on and on about each one of these, but I'm sure none of these characters would are going to be a surprise <laughs> to you too. <laughs> um, I'll start with uh, and it's in, in not in any particular order either. I'm not numbering, ranking them, but uh, the first one would be Sora. And just because he has the sort of strength to fight for, she's used this sounds uh, fight for his friends and in, in, in the face of danger, like no matter what it is, um, he's always there to fight for his friends. Uh <laughs> he's disney's go pretty much yes he pretty much is um then there's samus and samus is a, is a big deal to me because uh I, I have an older sister and i always looked up to her um but i think samus almost embodies that that sort of idea of my respect and view for strong women uh just because you know, a lot of people when they played Metroid for the first time had no idea that that was a guy. And when you find that it's a girl, it's like, whoa, you know, like, not, I don't know exactly what people are thinking when they play it, but like, whoa, you know, a woman, you know, she's, she's doing this. This is, you know, this is cool. Um, but definitely look up to Samus in that sort of way of like as an embodiment of uh, respecting women and, and, and being able to, uh, do it. <laughs> uh, of course, there's Cloud. Um, him, it's more so about the struggle, not so much about exactly being the hero, because with him, it's just kind of not... He's he's not sure what he fights for in the beginning, and, and he... Well, I guess, I don't know. If you play the game, I guess it's not... He, he sort of did the, the discoveries he makes and sort of what how he develops is I really respect and like. Um, there's Mega Man, uh, that for me is like classic uh heroism, just kind of sacrificing oneself for the good of others. Uh, since he was he started off as um, an assistant to Dr. Light and offered for his for Dr. Light to modify his body to become like a fighting robot. And then lastly, um, one character that I didn't even think about before I, before you brought up the topic, Chris, but uh, would have to be Harry from Silent Hill 1. Huh. Um, nice. Yeah. It, it, like so what I wrote here is like fighting for what slash who you love, no matter what the trials you go through. And, and, so, and, and maybe that more so relates with me because of uh, having a daughter and what that would mean if, if something would have happened to her and what I would go through to save her. And it actually reminds me of a lot of Heavy Rain, too, because it's sort of like the same idea in that game as well. But yeah, that's my list and, and, and sort of the reasons why I would like you say there's the a uh, like a, a certain theme between all of them that you think draws you into all of them as a group um i think if i had to 
the, the way I'd answer that question would be, um, I, I don't know, maybe it just sounds cliche, just having a problem and, and trying to find different ways to get, to find the solution, even if it, it's unconventional or unorthodox. And maybe one thing, maybe up front in some of these games, like if you play Metroid, you really don't know much about Samus, but if you read the manga, you discover a lot about her. It's sort of discovering... Uh, who you are and, and what you're actually capable of, to, uh, regardless of uh, the you know, you know the, the um, trials that surround you. I guess it, it's hard to say in, in that sort of sense because they're all so different in, in their own ways. Very good, Richie. What do you got for us? I'd say mine is more a, a, a mix of groups of characters because I think I'm just, I like relationships and community and stuff like that. And there's something about like the way characters bounce off each other and their interactions with each other that make the games even more interesting for me. Uh, so like one of them that's like really big and I've played it a couple of times and I'm going to replay it soon is uh, the Walking Dead series, mm-hmm. oh, like the Telltale yes. one. Uh, like Lee and Clementine. Um, Obviously Lee's a little bit of a different story, but I'm not going to necessarily go into that. But like Clementine's like the big showstopper there because she goes from like, I think like an eight year old or something. And I think I haven't played the last one. I'm like waiting to replay it from the beginning, but essentially she like goes through until she's like a teenager. So like you get to like watch this person grow up, but they're growing up through the events of the story as you're choosing it. So it's, you're like, it's, it's because it has multiple endings and multiple story paths. You're kind of living the life for that character. Cause it can be different. You know, if you play it and I play it in the same day, your ending and my ending can be different based on what we decided. And so I think there's that, it's really hard not to link up with a character when you've directly affected how their story ends, as opposed to like, if you're playing a game where the story was just set from the beginning. Um, But very specifically the way that those characters interact with each other is just beautiful. And when things are wrong, heartbreaking and when things are good, like absolutely joyful. Like there's just something about that the relationship element uh the same thing i would put you know right side by side with it would be joel and ellie from the last of us like that that game wouldn't be as good if it was just joel running around for sure like like the fact that it's the both of them and and there's that specific relationship it's just a 10 times better and the way that the story and all the elements affect them now obviously it's a little different than the walking dead because you can't affect the ending like there's a set story for that game so it's always going to play out the same but you want to keep going because you want to see what these two people can do and how they're going to like work together um on a different level not necessarily but more just because these are kind of like series of of people that i just love as groups together uh the obviously the borderlands one characters but not because of borderlands one but because of in borderlands two and three you get to see how they all still interact with each other 
So they're like kind of we- it's weird where there are characters that you got to play them in the one game and be silent, almost silent protagonists with them, but then you get to watch them later like be their own characters and like see how things affect them. So they're back and forth in the way they play together and. Uh, Tiny Teen is another big like standout character from that series that is she's just a lot of fun but also they'll throw in very subtle moments of like psychological genius where you're just like or like or just like heart-wrenching parts like um, there's a quest where you find this she's like, I got to find this one dude and he's going to come to my tea party. Cause she's like crazy. And she's a little kid and we're going to serve him this crumpet or whatever. And the crumpet is like a bomb and she like blows him up. But then like in it, she has this very like uh, emotionally resonant thing where she's like, you killed my parents. And like, then she bl- <laughs> like blows him up and you're just like, Oh dang. Like she was acting like she was acting like this, like, psychopath and you're like this is just her being weird and then all of a sudden you find out like no he killed her parents and she's like being a kid getting revenge for her parents and you're like oh 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 okay like it was just some just something else um so yeah there's uh, i would say like the, the borderlands one characters and then like the left for dead one characters are just like those characters where you watch the interactions um between them in in the games themselves, but in also things that happen in the the games after that, and you know the fact that like Bill sacrifices himself for, the, for them at the you know in in the last yeah. oh whatever it's, <laughs> it's a decade old game that that either no one plays or everyone plays like you've and already played it or you're never gonna play too. it so like, you know um, I'm not taking your thunder but you go ahead a, like a literal bang. <laughs> No, I'm saying like like he like. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, just such an old character. I know you like old characters in games, Richie, but like him specifically, like you wouldn't think like this old geezer would go out in such a blaze of glory, but he does, and it's like so it's so memorable. I I should put him on my list. What's weird is I'm 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 literally looking. Yeah, Bill's definitely on my list of like top like specific characters. I'm looking for a game in my library right now, and I really I can't find it, and it's weird because I definitely own it. I played it on PS4, um, and if I can remember the name, I would tell you. But it was this character with this this like lounge singer lady who had a sword, but like her like boyfriend was like dead but his soul was captured in the sword so like when you're fighting with the sword she'll like talk with the sword and she's like talking to him and she's like trying to get him back or something like that i remember that game had such a interesting emotional resonance because it was this oh transistor there it is um that game is amazing it's weirdly how like the music for that game the story like but she's just yeah it's like because i have it and i i know it's good but i i need to play it Please play it. Play it. I lo- I loved that game very much when I played it. Um, but yeah, that I it's she's not a specific standout character that anyone would remember, but it was one of those games where I liked it because of the characterization of the two mm-hmm. people, you know. So that that's definitely one for sure. Um, and then other than that, uh, I don't think I really have too many that sound you know like there's your classic like nintendo characters like obviously mario and link and all but like i don't think they're on my list in right. a way other you than like nostalgia. you know like i don't, I don't 
specifically yeah i don't specifically vibe with them i guess if i had to go with another kind of like crew uh kind of thing like all the original like first three resident evil game characters like chris jill leon claire like that group like if they made a resident evil game that was like let's say they made some weird like four player game (laughs) and it was chris jill leon claire like i'd be all over that game in a heartbeat i'd be like please can we all all four of us play i don't even know which of the four i'd pick but it doesn't matter (laughs) like i'll i would play that game in a heartbeat because i i really do enjoy one and two very very much and it would be really cool for that i think if to, you play to six, be a reality if you play resident evil uh, six and you can just play the last pretty much all of them not together you could play as all of them but not together like if they were all i do want to play six <laughs> even though i heard it was a dumpster fire i don't care i i do eventually want to play i loved five um and then the last one i'd have to say is like uh red dead redemption 2 had probably three of the most standout interesting characters and only one of them was the main character like the main character was pretty standout and he was really cool like arthur morgan was it was fun to watch him go through all of his stuff in that game uh mostly because also it was very realistic feeling everything that kind of went down it didn't feel like a video game it felt like a really good old western movie but then they had these two characters and i'm mad because i can't remember their names but it was like the one girl you like find her in the beginning and she like her husband was like murdered and she's like about to get like mangled by the this like gang of dudes and you kill them and like kind of save her but technically you just take her with you so like she really has nowhere else to go and she'd probably die if she didn't go with you but then like she basically becomes like an epic cowboy like she just becomes one of the most like any mission with her in it is so good because she just like goes nuts because she's like trying to like prove she's like i'm not just going to be some helpless damsel like give me a gun let's go and then she just like goes for it and she has like almost every moment with her is is a great moment in that game and then there's uh also this like really big native american dude named uh charles i think and he's just also like every kind of thing you do with him I just remember being like, I love this guy. Like anytime you thought characters were going to die, I was like, if you kill either that cowgirl or Charles, I am done with this game. Like I was like, I don't care. I don't care who else dies. If you kill those two people, like I would gladly, if they made you know, a spinoff like red dead redemption 2.5 and it was the blonde girl and Charles just like on an adventure together, I'd be like, sign me up. I'll play that. Yeah, we're getting King hearts territory 2.5. Point five drop dream poop toilet splash bowl. (laughs) Wow, that escalated. I haven't finished Red Dead Redemption two yet. Like I started it, but I haven't gotten that far into it. So I would love to pick that back up again and 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 finish the the main story at least. It's good. It's 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 a solid solid story for sure. But yeah, I don't think there's anything else. I, I'll give an a honorable mention. I really enjoyed the newest Call of Duty because of how much they focused on uh, like Captain Price. I think he's a really well-done kind of character. Um, he's not necessarily a character that I'm like, yeah, like I'm all about that. But like, I think the way that they 
portray him in that game is very interesting in that series of games and and how they kind of always have him as kind of like your weird mentor but like yeah he's he's a very interesting character i i really dug the way they took the direction of, nice. of that last game so for my characters um it's kind of a, a mixed bag in terms of like protagonists and antagonists i find antagonists to be overall more interesting than protagonists but i do feel like i can put myself in the protagonist's shoes more so then i'm drawn to them more but um so anyway so my my characters that i really really latch on to so for my first one um is uh silver who's the the rival character in pokemon gold and silver and what i find interesting about him is because in the first pokemon your rival is basically like a better version of you throughout the entire game until you get to the end when you finally he he he's the champion and then you have to beat him to become the champion he's always like one step ahead of you and then finally at the very end you get to go one step over him and beat him but in pokemon gold and silver your rival he's not exactly like a champion he's more of like a person just trying to prove his own strength so like at the very beginning you get you get your pokemon gifted to you by the professor where your rival steals one and then later on you you get you fight him a number of times he's trying to prove his own strength to basically show the world that like he doesn't need help and that he is the he is the strongest and he 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 follows you throughout the game and back in the day no one really realized that like well people theorized that the rival character was the son of the bad guy in Pokemon Red and Blue Giovanni but there wasn't any proof of it until you um they made Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver where they did a special event where you see this backstory of of Silver talking to Giovanni and it kind of gives you like a better understanding of why Silver is is, is like this mean bastard who's just following you throughout the game and uh, and everything like that. It was just really cool to see his his progression as a character because throughout the game, you keep beating him and he keeps like trying to figure out why you're winning. And he's, he's starting to question his own abilities because you keep beating him, even though he thinks he has stronger. It's kind of like Vegeta and Goku in a sense where Vegeta is really, really strong and he keeps getting stronger, but he can't, beat goku for whatever reason and then later on the series he starts like realizing like goku's strength isn't just his own strength he he draws strength from the trust in his friends and uh you know friendship and trust are are what make him powerful and so vegeta eventually embraces that stuff and then becomes basically on goku's level truly on goku's level and then that's when he also grows as a character so silver is kind of like Vegeta in that sense and also reflects in his Pokemon too I forgot to mention that throughout the game Silver has some Pokemon that won't evolve because the only way to evolve these certain Pokemon is to have a bond and a friendship with them but throughout the game they they never evolve because he's never Mm. developed that bond with them and it was like this really small detail that I thought was really cool that they touched on later in the game like at the very end of the game when Silver starts to embrace his his trust in his Pokemon, his Pokemon then are finally evolved and you get to see his full character progression. So 
I really enjoy yeah. Silver from that game. Yeah. He's he's one of the more That's fleshed cool. out rivals in at least in the older games. Um, but one of my other favorite characters I like is I really latch on to is Andrew Ryan from the Bioshock series. And even though he's an antagonist, mm-hmm. you can kind of see where his ideals and his and his efforts are going into that he's trying to build a society underwater that's free from governments and from religion where he believes humans can truly become the best they can be and and evolve the species in, in a sense now chris don't say too much because i believe seth is playing this maybe oh, for the first no. time right now <laughs> oh sorry right? i should have checked with that <laughs> oh okay 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 i'm just i know you were playing I know you were actually yeah. you were playing it recently because it just came out for free, but I was like, I don't remember yeah, if, I, if yeah. you well, knew or not. Sorry, that is another game I forgot to mention that I am playing right now. I I more so play that when Kels, Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, when my wife, it's okay, <laughs> is playing, uh, or I mean when she's watching. <laughs> well, anyway, my so I just I really like him because. Throughout the game, he like really gives you a sense like he knows what he's about. He he truly um, understands his ideals, and no one's gonna kind of stand in his way. And um, there there is he is a bit of a dick, you know. There's no getting around it. He he does have a sense of elite elitism, <laughs> where no. he you know he no. believes there there's there's chain there's a <laughs> chain that needs to be pulled. The chain is is like how society works. In a sense, there's there's always got to be someone who. If you ever watch the movie Metropolis, it's kind of like that with Bioshock, where there, there's always like a group of people that needs to to scrub the toilets and 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 wipe the floors down, and there's always going to be like these elite group of thinkers and people, like industry leaders, who are going to rule over those people. So he, he he his idea is that he wants people to be free of everything and nature will take its own course pretty much but then he also becomes sort of a hypocrite because when he starts losing the battle of industry he he basically quashes his opponents so it's he, i i really like his um his vision as a character and it's kind of tragic how he ends because i don't think he he ends strong but also i think it's kind of sad because i think it could have all been avoided if he would have just you know, tone down his his attitude towards how he treats people in his city and how he ran his city. But that's just the kind of person he is. He's kind of like unwavering and 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 staunch, and you know, kind of like the strong live, the weak die kind of mentality. Um, but with more of like a like a nineteen fifties sophistication. Mm-hmm. Um. One of my other favorite characters is Glenn from Chrono Trigger. <laughs> as Frog Soul, as I love frogs. Gl- <laughs> yeah, he's the frog. I was gonna so say, frog, is, that, is that the frog his character? Name's frog in the game, but his real <laughs> name is Glenn, and he becomes a frog, an anthropomorphic frog, because he gets turned into one by one of the 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 villains of the game, Magus, and his arc is kind of tied to Magus. Because he's trying to find Magus, because Magus killed his, his. I think his his. He's a squire, so his like best friend and knight 
that he's squiring for. He kills him, Cyrus. And uh, so he's kind of like on a quest to find Magus and kill him. And which I find is kind of interesting about Glenn is later on in the game, spoiler alert, you can recruit Magus into your party. But the only way to do that is to have a where Glenn either gets to forgive Magus for killing his best friend, or you can also choose to kill Magus and, and, but you won't be able to have Magus as a party member. So it's, it's kind of like he get you get to choose his fate, whether he gets revenge on his friend or he gets to forgive the guy who killed his friend and develop a relationship together in your party. I always had a party with Glenn Magus and Chrono and the, it was just such an interesting dynamic because he really was attached to Chrono, but then really, really hated Magus. So I really, and also Glenn is badass. Like he, he cuts a mountain in half with a, with this sword that he was basically destined to wield. And without, without this sword and without Glenn, their party wouldn't have been able to, to continue in the game. So I, I really, I think he's like one of the best frog characters in games. I know a lot of people will, if they, if they get drawn to frog characters, Glenn is usually on the top of their list of, of frog characters to pick. Cause you know, Slippy Toad really isn't someone. I <laughs> I was thinking about Slippy Toad, but he's just, he's he's so dopey. He's so do- he like he's smart and he can create all this stuff, but like, he's so dopey and everyone, <laughs> he's, like, he's the butt of everyone's jokes. Um, but I think Glenn's a, a solid choice in terms of frog characters, and he's just a badass. Like I I think like me playing Hero in Smash is, is in my like frog character. It's basically Glenn in a nutshell. <laughs> And uh, I'll do like one honorable mention before I name my last character. Um, Honorable mention goes to GLaDOS from Portal. Um, GLaDOS makes that game, hands Mm, down. Like without GLaDOS, that game wouldn't be as popular as it is. Yeah. And it's, you know, and and you don't really know much about GLaDOS until the second game when you start to learn more about the backstory of Aperture Science and... uh, and, and all the people that work there and how GLaDOS kind of came to being. And uh, it, it, I just love GLaDOS and how just unwaveringly like douchey she is. And she, she just knows that she's, 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 she's a giant troll basically. But, but I think without you being in the lab without, without being in aperture science science, she wouldn't have a reason to exist. So in, in kind of a creepy, weird way, the machine kind of needs you, even though the machine's constantly trying to kill you. So until later mm-hmm. on, then she finds robots to, to test with. But even then, that's not satisfying. So <laughs> I think she just kind of needs a human that can constantly thwart her. Otherwise, she kind of just doesn't have a reason to live. But So my, my final... Mm-hmm favorite character that I latch onto is from a very old game. I don't know if some of my re- our younger listeners will know who this is, but I love the, the mist series. And one of my favorite characters from mist is Atris, who is in the, in the first mm. game, you don't even really know who Atris is until the very end of the game. I know spoiler alert for like a, a game that came out in 1995, something like that. But, uh, Atris appears at the very end of the game when, when you've been just dealing with his sons the entire game. And both of his sons are trapped in these, these books 
where they they thought they were being linked to a like worlds with riches and where they can gain power in them, but they were actually traps set by Atris to help trap his sons to stop them from destroying all of his books that lead to other worlds. And uh, when you finally do find it, like find Atris, and the entire time his sons are are basically saying like like their father their father was evil and he trapped them in, in those books, which he kind of did in a way. He didn't, he didn't intend the books that they were trapped in to be for them, but they kind of let their greed kind of over, you know, like take over them. And they, they kind of just went with, he told them not to, you know, enter these linking books. The sons did, they got trapped. They're, both of his sons are douchebags. And so when you eventually reach Atris, he explains all this and he, he, asks you to kind of help help him bring them to justice which you do and then in the second game it's his uh his backstory is a little bit more fleshed out where he actually has a wife that's trapped on another in another book but it's also trapped with his father who's like uh he's like basically super powerful and has a lot of resources and he asks you to go save his wife because he needs to do stuff outside of the book that you, that you can't do. And I guess what I'm trying to say with Atris, he's always been this kind of like source of, of calm and cool collected thought. And he cares about um, his worlds that he builds and, and helping people um, survive. And he, 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 I, I just find an inspiration to him because he, he's very knowledgeable in science and, and engineering. And uh, he, he takes everything that he does, he does, he's basically Japanese, if you want to think about it that way. Like anything he does, he always does to the best of his ability. And he always tries to instill that in the people that he meets. So I just, I love Atreus. But the, the problem with Atreus is he's only in five very not yeah he's in five games and then that's it he instills the best um values into people he can he, he's just a man of knowledge and um he he tries to help anyone he can wherever he can and and he, but he's also he has like you know a little bit of gray in him too like he has to basically stop the people who he loves most even though they are um evil but he does he doesn't quite destroy them per se. He 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 traps them and tries to reform them. And I guess that kind of says more about his character too, that he doesn't outright kill people. He he tries to reform them as best as he can while also trying to to build up civilizations that are lost. So hmm. very interesting. It's hard it's hard to describe him so because he he's in every single miss game and there's so much to describe about him. He's just a He's, he's a great character, and but I don't think many people know of him or appreciate him because he's in such an old game. Mm-hmm, right. But. Uh, can I quickly add um, two that I forgot to talk about? Cause, so technically Seth said Cloud, which is like definitely up there, but I, I actually would say Leon um, from 8 is at the time because specifically as a high schooler when I played that game and he was going through high school, there was definitely this uh, sort of understanding that kind of worked where it was like, Oh yeah, I was a high schooler running around like with my crushes and, and, you know, just trying to navigate 
the craziness, but then to take that to this crazy level of, oh, but it's a combat soldier high school. And so that, I think there's part that kind of just made that super fun. Um, So I definitely uh, had a fun resonation with him. Um, And then on the thing you said, Harry, and I was like, I never really played the first one, but I definitely had a lot of, fond memories of playing the second one and the way that like I think that's one of the coolest games for just seeing a character grow and like learn just because he starts the way he starts and ends the way he ends Mm -hmm. like you know depending depending on your ending Um, which is cool though because even if you get some of the more negative endings it's still like it's still seeing a different way that that character could have reacted to what happened to him and so there's something about just the way that all that kind of played out that i really enjoyed um and then yeah there was nathan drake's another one i know that seth you probably would have said if you had more space on it i in the sense that like he's one of those characters that it was just fun to play those games because he was a dynamic character to really watch and 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 so yeah like Am I sad that they stopped making his games a little bit, but like, do I think that his complete story is really fun and I'll definitely go back through one through four one day? Probably. Right, right. Nice. But yeah. Well, so those are our, our like some of our favorite characters in video games and, and our reasons behind them. And, you know, if you, if you have any uh, characters that you love to share with us and you know like on my fb page please you know stop by and and describe like why, why you love the character you love and start a discussion cool so so let's move into our news section <laughs> i can't get enough of that it's great um <laughs> So this week, I found some interesting uh, articles that I think tie into what's going on re- recently with, with some of the games we're talking about and also like games that are coming up um, and also some cool little things uh, that are coming into the future. Um, so for the first article um, that I picked out, it ties into like what we were talking about with the Final Fantasy VII demo. Um, this article is from IGN. It says that um, the Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, Red 13, um, is not going to be a playable character in the remake. So it says here, um, talking to the co-director, Naoki Hamaguchi says, We felt the the point at which Red 13 joins the party in the story is very late on. So we thought, okay, if we're going to make him a full character and try to get the uh, player to enjoy this character development arc and growth as a character through that, it's not really enough time to do that. Um, Instead of being a playable character, he will be an AI-controlled, quote, guest, quote, party uh, member fighting alongside your playable team. So, Seth, um, I know we were talking about this on the phone the other day. How do you feel about that? Well... I think they're just when I read it, they're I think they're just talking about the first game Uh, because you and I had talked a little bit about it before. Just the first game, because he does 
uh, come a little bit later, um, and I, I can see. You. Well, I, I actually he he he, come, I, he comes again basically literally at the very end of the first like sort of ep- episode of the of the series. Um, oh, okay. So I can see why they wouldn't implement him as a full on character, but I guess I. The way they worded it at first, it made it sound like he wasn't going to be a playable character at all. But that's not to say that in the rest of the game that they might not make him an actual playable character. It's just the first one. And it almost makes sense because if you get to the very end, I guess there's just not much you can do with him. I mean, you could. Yeah, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't be able to level him up really in that time. Be, be, like it would just If it's anything like the yeah. original, once you start – like this chain reaction in the story, it pretty much is nonstop until the very end. So right. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, you know, uh, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, too I am because, too. Because if, 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 if they, because obviously in later in, in the games, uh, in the other games, he, they have plenty of time to make him an, a full fleshed character, which hey, they already have everything else in place. All they got to do is just, change a few things i mean i'm sure i'm sure that's not as easy as said uh, uh done than said well, he, but... here's a real question for mostly seth and people who know the game very well are they gonna put yuffie and vincent in uh, there and are you gonna have to hunt them down like you did back in <laughs> the original remake, game then i would imagine that everything that was you had to do in the original is going to be the same in this one yeah, so I mean, I, I, that was part of the experience and fun of it. So I have full faith that they'll. they'll I'm interesting to see how that's going to play out. What specifically? Just you know, I, I don't, I can't imagine how the open world is going to be. If it's going to be like 15 or whatnot, and then like, are you going to like randomly turn a corner and you feel be there? Because like it used to be that you would run into. This is like a specific in, in, forest that you had to run into. But but you'd also like, you know, you'd be running on an empty screen and then like the noise would pop. Yeah, I don't know. I really hope they you, do. This game doesn't have that. This game doesn't have, you don't go into active. Oh, you don't sorry, go in. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It could just be yeah, like Final Fantasy. It, it could just be like 15. I was going to say 12, so she, but. She might just pop out of nowhere, and you're just like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> like, oh, crap." They'll probably still make you answer the same questions that you had to uh, before. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But, um, I, I, I'd really hope I. They may change this because obviously they've already changed the battle system. But I'd really hope that they would. I don't know. It, it it probably will be like fifteen. I just when when I first hearing about the game, I was thinking about the open world and how are you going to see this little cloud just running around in this huge world? And then yeah, but I mean yeah, they'll pro- that'll probably be different. But yeah, man, that's not for a while yet. But I, I'm sure mostly everything else will be as far as story elements and the whole Yuffie thing that might be a little different, but as far as story elements, I, I think it's going to be all the same plus more. Yeah. They, they didn't say like, no one asked in the interview if he would be playable in the second game, like we were saying. So, and, and Square Enix isn't talking about the second part at all. So it's all up in the air at this point. I mean, I, I assume he would, but you never know. 
Like, they, they could be changing anything at this point. I will say, like, when I played the demo, like, at one point, you have Barrett there kind of running alongside you, but he isn't quite playable yet. So it could just be something like that, where he's just kind of like an NPC yeah. at the moment. But then later on, you'll be able to add him into your team. Because I, I would be very flabbergasted if they took out like a, one of the major characters of one of the best games in one of the best selling series yeah. of all time. Literally, you know what I'm saying? Character. But obviously he's not taken out of the game. They're saying he's here. So like he's here. He's just not playable in the first part. That's all. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for them to just be like, Oh yeah, he's he, where he's, you're not going to play him as all, you know, yeah, it's just, that wouldn't just be a rebate. Just the fact that it's episodic and the timing of where he actually appears and where they decide to cut it off, which is really right. weird to think about because uh, for all this time before hearing ever hearing about a remake, uh, I always thought it was the neatest thing because you can, and if you do go and play the uh, original Chris, um you might feel the same way and maybe maybe it's a little different since i'm older but probably the first time i actually went through the whole game uh oh well i don't know i was probably a teenager somewhere around there but uh fully because i I used to watch my dad and and my sister play and i was always in bits and pieces so i never got the full sort of grasp of the game but going from start to the part that the that this first episode will end at and and maybe this is sort of the reason why they're doing it the way they're doing it but it literally felt like an entire game and and i guess because there's so much you can do in between in in midgar even just for the original there's so much to do that yeah by the time you get to the end of it and get out of midgar like it's almost like one of those things where i'm sure for the people who played it for the very first time when they got to that point they're like wait we haven't even got to the open world like yeah. I, I played so much like there's more to this and it's, it's it's amazing how big the game is and, and i just remember that feeling of getting to that spot and being there's like a whole rest of this game where you already felt like you played an entire game i mean i'm sure minimal hours you can spend in midgar I don't know. You could probably you could probably spend a good twenty hours just just fooling around and doing stuff in there. I mean, of course, if you know what you're doing and you're trying to do it fast, it's much shorter. But if you really take your time to talk to everybody and do everything you can, you you could spend a good fair amount of time there. Right on. I just thought that was interesting because the game's coming out soon and the demo. Right. Right. Yeah, we'll see, have to see what happens. Um, next article, uh, I know Richie will enjoy this a lot. I'm sure you, you've heard about this. If not, then, you know, just listen up. <laughs> uh, so from Forbes, uh, the internet has already decided on which actor should play Joel in HBO's The Last of Us. So if you guys haven't known, uh, didn't know this, um, this past week, HBO announced that, um, that there's going to be a show that they're creating based on Naughty Dog's The Last of Us, uh, which Sony Pictures has been basically talking about making this movie for the last several years. Um, It's being handled by uh, Neil Drunkman, who made um, 
uh, HBO's Chernobyl. So, you know, it's, it's hopefully it's going to be pretty good, I'd say, because a lot of people like Chernobyl. Um, but I think pe- people are kind of discussing on the on the Internet who could be Joel and um, El- uh, Ellie, you know, who, who would be a good, you know, grouping for that. And of course, we all know that Ellen Page um, didn't Ellie Ellen Page play Ellie like in, in no, the game? That was, no, that was a cause of uh, conflict because she actually, I don't know if she sued them or just kind of blasted them, but basically was like, yeah, no, you stole my likeness pretty much. And then, cause she was making, uh, what's the name of the, the uh, heavy rain producers, other game with her. Beyond like two, two souls. Beyond two oh, souls. Yeah. Like, she was actually playing a character in a game and they're like, yeah, that girl looks a little too much like me guys. Uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> she didn't play. She didn't play uh, Ellie. Oh, the girl okay. from Growing Pains played Ellie. <laughs> Funny enough. The, the girl from what? Like the little girl from Growing Pains. If oh, you remember really? that show. Yeah, the, the very little girl. She grew that. up to be this actress. And, and it looks like her? It doesn't really look like her. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't. It's not. Yeah, they didn't really take her likeness too much, but they also didn't take uh, what's it, Troy Baker's likeness for Joel either. Like Troy Baker does not look like Joel. So yeah. I don't think they really went for they didn't do the same thing they did with Nathan Drake with uh, Nolan, Nolan North or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, a lot of people on the Internet immediately um, were drawn to uh, Hugh Jackman playing Joel. And I thought that was an interesting choice because, I mean, I haven't played The Last of Us at all, but, you know, like, does he look like Joel at all? Like, maybe he, a little bit. But... It's, called, it's called Logan. <laughs> he, already, <laughs> he already played. That's basically... That's why they say it, because Logan, Logan is probably the closest I could think. Is he, Yeah, Hugh Jackman's probably about the right age. Uh, if they did the hair right, I, yeah, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be a good... You know, he could do a, uh, accents, so he could get that kind of southern accent. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think... I saw another uh, pick for him, but I can't remember who it was. Well, uh, another big pick is... And they don't list it in this article, but another big pick was um, the guy who played Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. His name is uh, Nico- uh-huh. Nikolai uh, Coster Waldo. I think that's how you say his last name. He He... He definitely looks like Joel, I will say that, and he has experience working with HBO, so yeah, maybe. I but well. I, I don't know. I I don't know Joel too much, so I, I can't speak if he would be a good pick for him. But he certainly kind of looks like Joel with the with at least with Jamie Lannister's look towards the end of the series. He has that like scruffy kind of Joel look. I don't. Know, what hmm. do you think, Seth? I- yeah, <clears throat> I think people are always going to like you. You'll see, I not at the top of my head, but you'll see other games, uh, and people will make pictures and, and line up. Uh, I forget. Oh man, I really wish I could remember what game it game it was, and they lined up actors, and it almost was exact 
it was like per- perfect representation of the actors compared to the characters. Um, and, um, and it's almost just like, why don't you do this? It's perfect. You, you got it. Maybe it just has to do, with, <laughs> obviously it has to do a lot more than that, but, um, right. but also remember, I don't know if you saw this, Chris, but Richie, there was, um, because apparently now they're making an Uncharted movie, but remember there, I think, oh, yeah. I think you showed me, they, they someone made a short of Uncharted, and it was kind of more of like a real, like a, kind of a game representation than like a, 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 yeah, it was it was Nathan Fillion, and he, and he really he did a great. Job. I mean, and he looked like Nathan. He Drake. was a bit he was a bit too old. Like he could definitely play you know Uncharted Four Nathan Drake for sure, but not necessarily Uncharted One Nathan Drake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess so because I think Nathan Drake in the Charter One was like mid, early thirties. Like twenty five. No, no, yeah. no. I think no. he was older than that. He's maybe like twenty nine, thirty. Yeah, I guess because he yeah. had so many adventures in his like early twenties that you kind of allude back to during the games. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, there's always going to be yeah, a... that's where he's going to be uh, established by the time you play the first game. Yeah, there's always going to be actors that are gonna like look perfect for the part and then for whatever reason you know it just doesn't work out the way that you, that people thought it was going to be but yeah i think people are always going to find similarities and of course the internet is the where you're going to find out what people think <laughs> well i i will say with um at least with like the wicker um i don't think anyone really thought henry cavill would do great as Geralt but I think I think for the most part everyone agreed that he did a good job so I, I really enjoyed his performance to be honest I, like it wasn't he doesn't look he, like him he per made se it his, but oh. uh, yes and no he made it his own which is what I liked about it like it wasn't it didn't feel like he was pretending it was like okay well and it helped that The Witcher is based on a book series too so like even technically the games are actually partially incorrect compared to the books. Cause I've watched something where they, the, apparently he was described in the books as like a, kind of an ugly man to behold. Like he's not really supposed to be attractive at all, right. but it's a TV show. Um, Cause they have to make him attractive. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, and in the video game it made him like, you know, like they didn't make him an ugly man. Right. They certainly made him more, kind of like your attractive hero, you know, like Aragorn or whatever. So, uh, yeah, so they definitely made it their own, but they did all the things right. You know, they had the right eyes. They had the right hair. He he did a really good job of getting close to the voice from the game, but also pulling it back and not necessarily sounding like he was trying to be an imitation of it. So I, I honestly really did enjoy that he did it. It helps that apparently Henry Cavill's a huge nerd that really loves games and stuff. Right on. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, I, I don't think they list a date like they're coming out with it, but they, they're definitely talking about it in the news. So this is something to look forward to, I think. And our, our final... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hopefully it's, hopefully it's yeah, good. Yeah, definitely. Our, our final article, our fun article for the, the week is, uh, and 
it should be no surprise to anyone. The Japanese are very strange people. Um, they have a, <laughs> they just have very <laughs> odd stuff. Wow, doubling <laughs> down <laughs> this episode. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, they have very strange things, but like kind of quirky, fun things. So th- this article kind of describes something that I-, I don't know if any American will get into, but, you know, who knows? So the article says uh, Jap- uh, Japan has created the ultimate gaming bed. So you never have to rejoin society again. <laughs> oh lord! <And> so <laughs> it's hard to podcast like what this gaming bed looks like, um, but it, it's essentially like think like a like a like a bed with a bunch of desks just directly attached to it, with like two giant monitors at the end of it on top of the desks, and you have like a laptop to your left on a, on like a little like side desk and. If I'm not mistaken, there might even be a refrigerator attached there. This is just nuts. I saw the picture. I saw the picture, but I, I didn't remember seeing a fridge. Oh my gosh! So anyway, the, the I just love the people. The, yeah. the company who created this, uh, it's a Japanese furniture manufacturer called uh, Bao Hut. Uh, they came up with this bed that, like, a gamer never has to leave. And except for going to the toilet, so there's not like a toilet attached to this bed, which then I don't think anyone would leave. Oh, why not, why not put a catheter <laughs> there? You know, you could just have a long tube just, attached, you know, to the end and just, just a, it's like vacuum. <laughs> Honestly, like I, it's, but, it's unreal because, like you, you know, patients in hospitals, you can't lay, they can't lay in their beds for that long of time because they're going to get bed sores. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like, yeah, I mean, it really is for for the recluse. I mean, I hope I hope it's all, you know, can sanitize itself because those things are getting nasty. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. yeah, seriously. <laughs> it, it, I think it's just a reflection of the of the. Uh, like the like the Asian um, society where culture. yeah the culture where they they have like a real big problem with um, with people just be, basically just hiding out in their their houses for, yeah, for their whole lives. I've seen, I've seen a documentary on that. Yeah, you, just, they, they'll they'll just stay in their houses all day. Or you also have the leave. the Korean like in South Korea, um, um, gaming addiction is a is a mad problem there. Like people will be playing so long they'll actually die playing a video game from exhaustion. Remember hearing about that for in World of Warcraft? I remember years ago. Mm, like yep. I love how people crap on America for being lazy and like too into gaming. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I heard about an American dude dying because he couldn't get off of his I don't couch. Know who it was. I don't know if it was if it was some if it was a Japanese guy or somebody but playing World of Warcraft. I remember thinking like you didn't eat. You didn't go to the bathroom, and, and and you just died. Like it's just unreal, unreal. If we're trying as a as a medium to say to the world and society at large that gamers should be taken taken seriously, and like this is a legitimate form of entertainment, that pastime. Like I don't think this is helping that per se. Like I'm I'm sure a lot of a lot of gamers would be into it, I'm sure, but my God, 
yeah like if you want to if you want to portray like the world of warcraft never leaves his his desk you know it's just like all these cans of sodas and mountain dew like doritos bags just surrounding him like that's that's what this kind of reminds me of it's just like like it's funny because of course sorry i'm just saying like with any kind of pastime you need to balance it with anything else in your life and if you don't have much of a life i'm not trying to judge you but you know it's it's always good to unplug sometimes don't don't be neo from the matrix (laughs) yeah it's just funny because you look at the picture and of course it's gonna look nice and everything's clean and sharp but it's that's not if you're the kind of person that's going to invest money into something like this it's it's hard to not have like a certain sort of stigma against those people that would purchase something like that because why else are you purchasing it? You're not just purchasing purchasing it for the bed. Not to mention, I don't know. I didn't look. I did it say how much it cost? Um, I'm scrolling through now. They have like different variations of different kinds of gaming. Excuse me, gaming furniture that they have, which seems a little bit more reasonable. In terms of like, yeah, like sitting down that. and like just playing at a game like in a comfortable way, but like taking to a bed form is like a little ridiculous to me. But um, you're you're gonna ruin your back doing that. Oh wait, it's wait! Just, it says it up the top. It says it up top. Why? How did I miss it? At the very top, it says it's it's about six hundred dollars. Yeah, if you're gonna take the time to invest in something like that, oh, you're obviously gonna want to get your money's worth out of it. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just. I mean, maybe, maybe for you know a young rich kid who who has parents that would pay for something like that. But if you're an adult and and, you, and you're buying something like that, it's like you, you you're only doing worse to your health. You know, just, yeah. just because like if you're not if you're living a, a sedentary life, uh, you, you're gonna have problems down the line. It might be good for um, people who are like disabled who can't leave their bed then maybe you know what i mean yeah 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 i could see that but that's what they should be advertising toward or marketing towards to to be honest well how, how much of a market but, is that you know like how many people I'm, I'm... Uh, i think it's more than you think to be honest and they're always trying to make um different devices for for the disabled and there's isn't that that one guy i thought i saw he had I don't think he has arms, and he plays games all by using this device with his mouth. That's nuts. It's it's it. it, I, it oh yeah. Do you, you see that? Yeah, he just plays with his mouth, and yeah. he's actually really good. He and he streams. Wow. Uh, I think he. I think he was playing PUBG, and he was actually pretty decent. From that's crazy. Yeah, I mean just. Shows you how much they're like. We'll <laughs> we'll find a way. Can't so, keep a gamer down. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's not anything that I would invest my money in, but um, that that's definitely a different sort of sort of lifestyle. I'm gonna speed run using my eyelashes. I can't see the game because I have to play the <laughs> game with my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh. oh my gosh! Anyway, I thought that was funny looking. I just—it's it, so telling of their culture and like tonight. Yeah, because what does that say? What does that say about people uh, who just don't know much about? Didn't we talk this in previous episodes? Like sort of the stigma. It's like, what is this? 
say to the people who don't understand games and they look at right. this and they're like, oh my god, is, is this what gamers do? You know, and this is insane. Oh, gamers, this big is fat pieces of shit the world. who just sit on their butt all day? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I can just see it. Like, you know, they have like a pile of like syrup soaked waffles <laughs> or pancakes and they just grab it with their hands and stuff it in their mouth like that's all i think of <laughs> <laughs> just like grab it and stuff it. and then like the condition of their controllers just caked so bad I, where the cheeto dust cheeto dust the syrup the, anything you can think of it's just coated and you, you can't you can't even aim because your thumb just slips right off. <laughs> well, that that concludes our news oh, section. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, <laughs> we'll have some more fun ones for next week, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, you know, getting towards the end of the podcast, um, I thought to throw in this little kind of small segment. Just like it's called, I'm calling it the the lesson of the podcast and. And it goes back to what we discussed in the main part where I kind of just kind of put my final thoughts on uh, our discussion and, you know, give Seth and Richie their chance to kind of give their final thoughts on it and something just to take away from from our our thoughts, I guess. So. (laughs) So when when I thought of the idea about talking about characters, it it I, I when I thought about it initially, I thought of people. Like, not not necessarily like crapping on people for the character choices, but I know that there's a lot of like flame wars out there and like people saying like, "Oh, this character sucks," or like, "Why do you like this character?" Like, like you like you're an idiot for liking this character, or like you you suck. And I I saw like a lot of that kind of stuff on the internet, and it just made me think like, why can't more people talk about why they like their characters so much and their favorite characters and, and and express that to other people so that they one they might get interested in those characters and their games and two just just open up more of a discussion between people because i don't i don't feel like people these days really have like discussions about things it's more about just yelling at each other louder and louder and louder like why they're they're wrong instead of actually just talking That's about because they're usually Talking on social media, which is never, you're never going to solve anything on social media. But right. I think that, well, what's, what's, what's the one game that brings all these characters together, right? Smash. So <laughs> I think in a situation like that, well, one, it could be because it sort of goes along with what we were talking about before, but people like the games that they like and they're not going to like the games that they don't. And if there's a chance that they get into a series that they didn't like before, it's probably going to be pretty slim. But honestly, I think a lot of people like, think about it. Uh, you know, uh, Chris, when you play somebody in, uh, I mean, maybe you a little bit, you too, Richie, just, it's not like you haven't played Smash before, but it's really easy to hate a specific character really badly when you get beat by them <laughs> almost to the point where if, if there was any chance you were going to play that game for the first time, uh, now you're definitely not <laughs> because you like, uh. you just associate that negative experience with, I mean, I'm not I'm saying that's like a hundred percent accurate, but um, because, you know, people are, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe if, you, if you're in high school or in below, that's that's the way you look at other people's choices in games. But I, I can see that definitely being something in Smash where people will hate on somebody for using a certain character. Um, and, and then any anything after that, if anybody else uses that character, that's just what they're going to associate it with and, and, and what, what, why they might feel that way about somebody using a character. You know, to the point of getting made fun of or badgered about it, to not using that character. Then in the also, they might identify with that character too, like like specifically. Well, not, maybe not so specifically, but like if people like there's a transgender character, and then people who might feel like they identify with that character specifically because they're transgender, or whatever, and then people like, oh well, I don't like this character because I don't like, I don't like your kind of people in a sense like that that's what i like people might find that too it's like you're 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 attacking me indirectly through this character and it's like why can't more people try and find the good in characters and like their strengths rather than you know well now you're you're questioning just human nature yeah a little bit (laughs) a little bit in general just about people's but i guess it's um, more of like you know trying to use character like talking about characters as a form of opening up dialogues between people rather than closing them it could it it, it, kind of acts as that middle ground uh like a icebreaker for, for certain if, if they were too nervous or didn't know how to talk about it in any other way, they could say, hey, look, you know, hey, why do you really like that character? Well, it's because of this and this and this. And then it you know, might open up to other things to understand. But um, why? Well, you know, I don't know, I'm not really in any situations where maybe that sort of thing would arise. But I'd imagine that. Most of that would probably happen within school, a school setting, or or just where people gather in general. But people are always arguing about uh, characters and why they like them and why they don't like them. But I think it just comes down to a difference of opinion, just like we do with everything else. Right on. You have any thoughts, Rich? Hmm. Uh, not specifically. I think I just... I think characters are always going to be our connection to whatever medium, you know, movie, video game, comic book, whatever you name it. And so they're, they're, they have to be at least decent or your art is not going to be, you know, whoever created this art form book, movie, TV, you know, you name it. Uh, It's just not going to be done well. Like, I'm trying to think of a, a good example of like something where people just hated the character and they're just like, yeah, no thanks. Like, I'm not going to keep going. Um, I think honestly, even maybe even for me, where like the more I grew up, the more I was like, you know, who's really annoying Sonic the Hedgehog. I think I'm done. <laughs> Why do people like this guy? I don't <laughs> think I'm going to do it. More, yeah. Like I think he's just a big blue douche, and I'm done. <laughs> and so I just kind of like, I'm, I don't think I have to play any. You know, like there's a Sonic game that's free this month. I'm not even putting it in my library. I don't care. Oh, the Sonic Heroes. Yeah, oh, like I'm just wait, don't. Yeah, and I'm not. I forget what it's called, but gener- generation. Oh, that, maybe that game was pure trash. No, it's not generations. It's it's. I know which one you're yeah, talking no about. Tr- it's not good. 
most Sonic games aren't good, so it doesn't matter. It, a, again, you know, I really don't. With you, like, I don't think he's the best. I still just think he's an annoying well, character. I'm like, so it's so it's like it, yeah, it's like kind of he's a smart aleck and whatnot. But I think it just more so correlates with uh, not not no, I'm not not including women, but I think like guys with just like that attitude. Like he just got an attitude. He's he, he you know. I know it all. Yeah, and I'm, and like I'm. I hope you know for the sake of the people who made it, like that the movie did well, and like maybe the movie. I heard it did. I'm assuming maybe they updated the character to not be a huge douche. Like maybe he's kind of obnoxious, but he's maybe like lovable in some way. So you know when that comes out in like on like. Netflix or he's something. I'll watch it, but like just he's he's like yeah. a typical person who's like fast. They that you know they 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 yeah. aren't necessarily douchey. They just see things differently, so like everything's slower to them. So they're like, what? Like why is everyone? You know, like this is kind of boring me, or you know, like so they have to do stuff that might seem obnoxious yeah. to us, but to them it's like they're just trying to exist in the world. So that that's what his his yeah, character yeah, yeah. kind of evolved yeah. into, but um. so. but either way, like yeah. So I, I just know that when it comes to characterizations, like you need to have uh, at least some sympathy, if not like just something really cool, and they'll connect to that character. And I think that's why we have that when we look at the we look at our gaming experiences we definitely connect to certain characters based on how cool or how sympathetic or how fun or how epic they are. And, and I think that is definitely important in all kind of all works. That's why people even go back to like Macbeth or, you know, what's the guy I'm thinking of? The Macbeth? You think about Hamlet? Not Macbeth. No, I'm talking about the guy well before Macbeth, like the one of the first heroes, the big heroes. Um, wait, wait, I, I God, I that one. not Hamlet. It's 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 old English. I can't think of his name for the life of me, though. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare. No, um, yeah, I I was just about to call him McGruff. <laughs> yeah, let's go with the McGruff, the, the crime dog. You know. Um, Nah, I'll remember the name later. It doesn't matter. But like there's, you know, there are these even. All right, let's go back to like the Greek gods, like the Greek gods were the stories were told about them because people liked the characterizations of them and they thought they were interesting. And so they told, you know, the stories of these great heroes and and, and all that evolved into is just like, you know, comic book characters, essentially, where like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman are basically just our versions of the Greek mythologies. Right you know like uh, uh, 10,000 years from now they'll like be like oh yes the it's the simple people of the 2010s in their marvel movies and they worship the mighty thor and and the mighty captain america and whatever <laughs> say they worship the mighty microphone like for you you the mighty <laughs> yeah oh God. the mighty ring light <laughs> yeah <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, so that's just kind of my takeaway on it in general, where it's always going to be. And the, the the cool thing is like the hope that there are new characters that'll be created because right now we are in a weird like desert 
where we're just going back and remaking things and like celebrating those characters either as old men or as re like reduxes of those characters with remakes and stuff like that. So the more we can hopefully try and make some new characters, the I think the better off the world's going to be where we finally start getting into, you know, new IPs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right on. Did you hear me before, Richie? Did you, were you thinking about Beowulf? <laughs> Beowulf, thank you. I was like, I think I know who you're talking about, but I couldn't remember his name either. Good so old. I didn't Google him. <laughs> yeah. Be- Beowulf is one of the, yeah, he's like just this classic, you know, that, that, it, that, literally that story is written in yeah. old English. It's, it's like impossible to read now. But it's, you know, it was in the popular enough that they made a movie about it, and like it's still referenced in in the terms of these big big epic characters. Right. Well, my my takeaway from all this is to hopefully people, you know, between you know friends and stuff, can go out and and discuss their favorite characters without feeling like they, you know, they they shouldn't like their characters for whatever reason, and and and. and share with them like why they love them so much so that they may maybe they'll get into their kind of like their games too so that's the, mm-hmm. the final takeaway the other two i'll be i'll feel like an idea if i didn't say these but uh robin hood and king arthur are like the characters that like people will always go back to and do remakes of because of their legends being as popular as they were mm-hmm. right so yeah celebrate characters people characters are important it's 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 how we kind of connect with other people is is by seeing seeing that characterization in ourselves and and seeing it in other, in other people and it's it's definitely an important part of art to to celebrate characters and not necessarily crap on it because each person feels their connection to whichever character either reminds them of themselves or reminds them of the people they love. So it's definitely cool to celebrate them as we, as we see them. Awesome. Well, that brings us towards the end of the podcast. Um, Again, I I thank all of you for, for tuning in and supporting the podcast and, and us as hosts Um, for next week or the next, I keep saying next week. So this is this is going to be a bi-weekly podcast at this point, if you haven't realized it. So and our next podcast, um, we have a cool topic that I asked Seth to kind of help develop with me. And he came he came to me with it. And I think it's a great idea to talk about. So for the, the next podcast, we're going to be discussing um, how gamers experience games that they um, that they immerse themselves in and and how they enjoy them. Um, at least, um, <laughs> um, I, I know for at least between <laughs> us, we enjoy games very differently and uh, I think it'll be very different, <laughs> very different. So I think it would be kind of cool. Go ahead. Uh, like I, I helped you come up with this because of the conversations <laughs> we've had with how different you and I specifically are. What you, you and Chris, no, you oh, and me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's, like as soon as I heard that you came up with that idea, I was just like, "That's hysterical!" Because I, I think the between the, the three of us, I'm like in the middle between both of you in terms of how we we experience games in some way. But then I experience games in different ways from both of you, so I think it'll be kind of 
interesting to talk about like how we experience games and, and and how others experience games themselves and 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 that's what leads to you know like what we discussed today like why people like certain characters the way they do you know so that will be that yeah, will be, be for the next episode and, and i think i think you'll have a good time with that so fun stuff heck yeah um if you guys want to follow any of us um we're happy to share our you know our social media accounts and, and stuff like that so so richie again like where can people find you uh youtube.com slash lionhearted has a lot of stuff um spotify has uh some music for the lionhearted um and technically if you type it all as one word you'll get my podcast which is its own thing where we talk about stories and music um kind of stories in general storytelling um but yeah uh yeah youtube and spotify and instagram is just the lionhearted music so and how about you seth uh i don't really have i don't have youtube or anything but one thing i can tell people to uh, if, if anything, find me at. Uh, if you play Brawl Stars, <laughs> come join my club at Radiant Dawn. Join and, our team. Uh, there and, you go. And, and most most recently, I'm playing uh, I'm playing Night- Knighthood. You can uh, find me at Door to Elysium. Join my guild. There you go. And, and always, you can find me, um, the Frog Soul at the Frog Soul. Um, pretty much any social media you can think of except for Snapchat because I don't Snapchat. But um, <laughs> but I will say before we go, I am looking for um, help with getting Twitch followers to become affiliated on a Twitch. So if you're you know into Twitch and you like um, seeing streams, I stream. I'm trying to stream more during the week, but I, I keep saying in every blog post I do that it's tough when you have a kid who's only two months old to, to, to handle at the moment. So I, I try and stream as much as I can, but at, at least once a week, you know, for now. So if you want to, if you want to help me out uh, trying to get affiliated, um, uh, twitch.tv slash the frog soul, or you can find um, my weekly um, blog posts on Monday at uh, on FB slash the frog soul. So sweet anyway so that's the podcast so we'll see you all next time thanks for coming by okay see you